Well, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. Like, worship is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I, I don't know, it, it grows something within me, and I hope it does the same thing for you, that it lifts me up. It makes me feel like, well, if I'm down, if I'm low, as we just sung in that first worship song there, it will bring us up. It will chase the enemy away. As soon as we start to sing, bring glory to God, the enemy flees. It's a simple truth, but in practice, it's not so easy. And I can speak for myself in this and that. Well, the last thing I want to be doing when I'm feeling like the enemy is at me or testing me or I feel like I've got myself into a bit of a, a negative mindset, the last thing I want to do is turn on some music and praise God. Now, that might not be for everybody, but it's hard. And there's a reason why it's hard, because the enemy wants to make it hard. Because the enemy knows that once you start, you won't stop. And it'll bring life. So continue to praise Him. Continue to worship Him in your days. Pray throughout the day. Allow God to work in and amongst everything that you do. This morning, I really wanted to... What I'm preaching about isn't necessarily a new concept at all. It's literally, I just want to preach on what... Jesus spoke about in regards to salt and light. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple. We've probably heard it a, a million times. But I believe that at its core, it is essential to our lives as Christians. Our lives as followers of Jesus, it is essential to how we live in the world that we are in today and amongst the people God has put us in. We live in a bit of a conundrum sometimes us Christians. We... We're called to be faith-filled, believers of the Holy Spirit. But in a modern Australia, that can be quite hard to speak about. It can be quite hard to share. Either we have, it's kind of polarizing almost in, a lot, in some ways because you, you have a large group of people that don't care about faith. They don't care about eternity. They don't, it's, it hasn't really crossed their mind. And maybe it has crossed their mind, but it's something they're not really ready to, to think about or talk about yet. And it's this nonchalant attitude of, oh yeah, she'll be right. But then on the other polarizing side, you get the uh, potentially easily offended people that absolutely want nothing to do with religion. They want nothing to do with what you have to say, and they actually find it offensive to that point. And so you have those two polarizing sides, and then we have something in the middle. There's a whole bunch of people as well in the middle there that are in that kind of uh, no man's land, not sure quite yet where they need to be or what's going on, and I guess we need to try and do our best to navigate that space. We are called to talk to the people who don't really seem to care. We are called to share and talk to the people who are easily offended. Who else will if, if no one else will? Who else will talk to these people? Who else will share the light of Christ if it's not us, his followers? Matthew 5, 13 to 16. I haven't given anything to Andrew this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn it there because uh, it's not going to show up on the screen. But if you go to Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, this is literally what Jesus is saying. It's called salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. That's it. That's just what he says straight up. You are the salt of the earth. And everybody's like, well, what does that mean? What are you talking about here, Jesus? But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, your light shines before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what did this mean at the time? We know that Jesus kind of spoke in parables, he spoke in riddles, and he used common items to kind of bring reference to what he was trying to say. It wasn't necessarily a straightforward message. And so when we think about what salt is, right, salt back then was a very precious commodity. People were often paid in salt. Salt was an entire trade. The Roman Empire was arguably built on salt. Salt was used to clean and preserve from decay. Right? This was not just only meats and, and things that you know, we consider normal. I found out that actually in Ezekiel 16 verse 4, were, the Israelites were told to salt their babies after birth. They would actually rub salt over the babies to clean them. It was, a, it was believed to be a cleansing process. It was also used, salt was also used for forming covenants. Leviticus 2 verse 13 It says to add salt to all of your offerings, not just the meat ones, it was also actually the grain offerings. They said, put, do not offer God an offering without salt. Make sure there is salt there. And obviously the obvious, salt was also used for flavoring and seasoning and it made things taste better, right? That's usually what we're using salt for now. Salt became useless. It actually became useless when it lost its flavor, when it became stale. And light was interesting because obviously we, I, I feel like at least for me, I kind of underestimate, not underestimate, I don't appreciate light so much as maybe what they appreciated light back then. Light for us is flicking a light switch, thanks to the great Thomas Edison and everybody else who found out electricity and all that smart stuff. It's quite easy. It's something we definitely kind of take for granted. But back then, if you wanted light, you had to light, you had to light a fire or you had to make a torch or make or buy a candle, right? It was something that you actually had to be more mindful of. Light also just came from the moon and the stars. And of course, God himself and the angels. But light is an interesting one here too, because again, it is something that Jesus has used, that has, I guess, a meaning to us now, but potentially back then when they were first hearing this, they may have been questioning, well, what, what does he mean by we are the salt of the earth? What does it mean by light? What is he talking about here? So what was Jesus trying to actually say to his disciples and those who he was talking to? If a seasoning has no flavor, it has no value, right? It's as simple as that. So then if we transfer this, it says, basically, if Christians make no effect to affect the world around them, make, sorry, I've written that wrong. If Christians make no effort to affect the world around them, they are of little value that's a bit that's it's harsh right but if you translate what jesus is saying there it is essentially what it is saying if we if we are the salt and if we lose our saltiness and become stale it's it's worthless what what is the point of doing this if we lose our saltiness we become valueless if we are too much like the world we are worthless christians should not blend in with everyone else instead we should affect others positively just as seasoning brings out the best flavor in food we too 
are called to bring out the best in those around us. Sometimes we can glance over these verses and it can be like, oh yeah, okay, we can just be the salt and you know, we're called to be different. But no, we are called to be different. We are set apart to be different. And if we are not, then what are we doing? Questionably here, it says we're worthless. Now we know for a fact that Jesus loves us. Jesus died on the cross and he died for our sins and we have eternal life through him. That he has an eternal love for us, right? He died for that. The Son of God died for our sin for eternal life and our relationship with God. But he is also saying here, and this is the craziness sometimes about Jesus, is he was completely polarizing. He did not give you an option to do the maybe. It was like, it's either you're doing this for me or you're not doing it at all. It's either you are with me or you are against me. There's no in-between. Do we hear this this morning, church? It's giving me goosebumps. It's like I've been... The, the, the simplicity of what he is saying, but also the weight that it carries. We have a responsibility in this life. We have a choice in this life. We can be the salt. We can be set apart in the name of Jesus. If we live a life like Christ, we glow like lights in the darkness. Not just lights in the day, it says. It's, it's, it's lights like lights in the darkness. A city upon a hill at night. You can see that for miles. If you, even if you go down to the uh, wherever, camping somewhere, York Peninsula, Air Peninsula, down south, you will see the glow of Adelaide City. Adelaide City is by no means a big city, but you will see in the sky, you will see a resident glow, residual glow over the horizon. That is what we are talking about here. This is the light. When people are in darkness, complete darkness, you will still, you should still see a glow from the light of Christ within us in that area, in that space. It's like light in darkness. The attractive quality of the disciples and their lives will draw other people to live a similar life to them. Like light attracts bugs, right? Light attracts bugs. In the same way, light will attract those who are searching for something, that are looking for something. But this also... What Jesus is saying here also serves as a warning to the disciples. Don't do anything that may jeopardize that positive impact. Because you are a city on a hill with light, people are watching. They can see you. You are visible. So shine bright. Don't put, don't put a jar over what Christ has placed within you. Open it up. Have it out. Something to say. And this is where we come into this conundrum because it's like, well, in the modern world, it's like, well, we can't. We can't just go saying what we want in our workplace, can we? I mean, we can, but it, like, it's going to jeopardize our jobs. It's going to jeopardize the relationships we have with people. And so this is where we, 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 we tread that fine line. We can't just go screaming to the top of the hills about how Jesus and God has saved us. Because whilst we know that to be true, we do know that to be true, we can't share it in that way and this is this is and look i say in the modern world but in reality this was an issue that the disciples themselves even had to cross now they obviously had to cross that line of death to the point of death and persecution not persecution that we now see it but persecution to the point of dying we are lucky we don't really have to go by that here in a western world but it doesn't mean to say we don't pursue christ to the absolute maximum that we can so this is where we come into the importance of prayer and the Word of God. It keeps us salty. It keeps us alive. It keeps us fresh. 
You can't leave salt out to dry, otherwise it becomes worthless. You can't leave salt out to dry. So both salt and life were of massive value, really, in that day and age. And they're yet part of everyday common life. So what does salt and light mean now? And I've already touched on it a little bit, but Colossians 4 verse 6 Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may now know how to answer everyone. Seasoned with salt, full of grace. We need to remain salty. We need to remain salty. Our conversations constantly, constantly need to be seasoned. Constantly we need to be aware of what it is Christ is trying to do, not just through us, but through others. We cannot be like salt and remain exposed. Prayer, scripture, worship and fellowship are essential. We, we take for granted, I think, or at least I do. I say we, but like fellowship. How important is fellowship in our everyday life? That is what church is here for, right? Church every single Sunday. Now, that was really heavily questioned through COVID and through other times where we physically couldn't get here. But I'm so glad that we get to meet. We get to sharpen each other. We get to talk to each other. And I think, I, I, at least this week in particular, the one thing in preparing this message that I was really, really uh, challenged with was that, well, okay, what do my conversations actually look like? How often do I actually ask people about their spiritual health? How often am I asking that question of, okay, what has God been talking to you about this week? Or what, what Bible verses have you been reading this week? How, how has God been impacting your life this week? What's been hard for you this week? And because, at least for me personally, it's really easy just to kind of do the glazing over, the glazing over conversations, talk about, I was talking about the footy or talk about the Formula One or talk about, I don't know, whatever else you can fill your life with. But this is a challenge for me, and I hope it's a challenge for you as well. Let's, let's try and, be a, a, and develop a culture and try and be a group of people who are asking those harder questions about our faith. Because if we can't talk about our faith here, where can we talk about our faith, really? This is the place to talk about our faith with one another. Now, that takes f- trust, right, in each other, in the family that we have here. But it's a responsibility that we have, and we're here to grow one another's faith. We're not here necessarily to save each other or try and, you know, I don't know, we've got to be, uh, yeah, I don't know. We really we, we need to be careful, I think, by not, not to minimize what a church can be. Because I think when we can be open with one another and, and speaking truth with one another, then Christ will move in and amongst us together as one. So have a go. Practice. Grow in confidence. And sometimes it can feel like a skill set. It can feel like a skill set talking to people. And whether that's here at church or we're talking about each other's faith or whether it's out there talking about our faith and testimony. It, it can take practice. One thing here that's almost a bit of a side note but something that I think is interesting is that Jesus doesn't use the analogy of sweet He doesn't say, oh, you are to be sweet. You are to be nice. It says here, Jesus uses salt. 
why, why salt? Like, could you not come up with a nicer analogy? Why do we have to be like, I don't know if you've ever taken a mouthful of ocean, but it's horrible. And we see this with a few of Jesus. And why, why, why did he use fish? Why not use like puppies or something else that is a bit more tolerable? Why, why stinky fish? I don't know. This is a question that I'll probably have to ask Jesus one time. But I think when we get to heaven, obviously. Or even, oh, anyway, we're going nowhere. So, but you notice how he uses, I don't know. It's just it's an interesting thought. I don't, I, I thought I had, I mustn't have written it down in my notes here probably because I thought it was going somewhere, but it's, it's not really. Anyway, it's a thought. If God is light, then why are we also asked to be light? You know, if God's light, how are we supposed to be light? How does that work, right? Because obviously we can't be God, can we? If God is light, God shines the light. Now, those of you who are clicked on to what I'm trying to say here, in 1 John 15, in, sorry, 1 John 1 verses 5, this is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. So we see, yes, God is light, but we know the truth that Jesus is the light within us. God is the light within us. When you ask Jesus to be a part of your life, the light is then in you. It is in you. It radiates out of you. And you then have the control. You then have the option of how bright that light will one day shine. Well, are you going to conceal it with, with a jar? Or are you going to be set up upon a hill, praising Him with all of your might, all of your glory, speaking the goodness of his name now this morning i was i was going to read through uh i was going to read through matthew 10 because i'm not going to do it this morning but i'd love to get scotty up if you can mate um i was going to read through through this because and i encourage you to go do this in your own time i was going to read through it because it's a call to action this is where Jesus is sending out the disciples. Now, there's something like 40 verses here. I'm not going to read it all to you. But I want to encourage you to go read it some point today, tomorrow, during the week. Because it really, it blends in with this purpose of being salt and light. We're called to be set apart. But then he's also, he, he shared this message, this, uh, this preaching that he, he gave, this, this teaching. He shares the Beatitudes straight off the bat. And then he comes on and then he comes and speaks about salt and light and all the other things of how to live life. And then he performs some miraculous miracles. And then when we get to, to Matthew 10, he actually says, right, now it's your turn, disciples. Now it's your turn. And when you read through Matthew 10, think of it as the perspective of you being a disciple. Because what he's saying here is not just to those 12 people that he sent out, it's to us now as well. There is life in those words, here and now. So we're not only called to be salt and light, we are called to be sent. We have purpose in this life. Praise God. So we are salt. We are light. And we are sent. It is the good news that we have to share. It's not any news. 
It's good news. Good news in the fact that it has affected your life positively. It has affected God. The life of God is with God. Sure, it's challenging at times, but more often than not, I don't know about you, but it blows me away. How faithful my God is to me. When I, when I turn, when I turn away, I can come back and know He will be there. We have good news to share. We need to share the good news of the gospel with grace. It's not easy to talk about Jesus. But give it a go. See how God works through your conversations and your actions. And I can guarantee you when, when, when God is on your mind, when God is at the forefront of your mind, these opportunities will show up a lot more. Because there are actually opportunities that were there, but you then initially missed. And they're the small things. Like, for instance, just the other day for me, it was somebody asked, oh, so, so what did you do before here? What did you do? Like, what were you doing for work? And every time somebody asks that question, I get the opportunity to share about the fact how I was a pastoral care worker. I get to speak about how God has impacted my life. So find things. Find something in your life to, to fall back on and say, you know what, actually God was so, was so there for me then. He was there for me in the darkest place. And figure, what, figure that out, what that is for you. Because there, I can guarantee you, if you look, there's not just going to be one thing, there are going to be multiple things that God has blessed you in your life with. So if you'd like to stand to your feet this morning, I want to pray, I want to pray for courage. I want to pray that we have the courage to speak and the courage to act. I want to pray for wisdom, the wisdom to share and the wisdom to enlighten. And third, I want to pray for peace. Peace to see and the peace to listen. Father, Lord God, we thank you so much for the word. We thank you, Lord God, for the truth that we can stand upon. Father, we know we can trust you. We can trust your word and what it says. And Lord God, we pray that as we live a life that you have predestined, a life that you have set apart, Father, may we do it bringing glory to your name. Father, may we not just be sweet, but Lord God, may we be like salt, Father. May we, may we remain fresh. May we remain salty, Father, for you. Knowing, Lord God, that it's not a life of easiness, it's not a life that is uh, easy going, but Father, we know it is challenging. But we also know that people are watching, Father, based upon how we live our life. So, Father, we pray for strength. Father, we pray, Lord God, that people see as they see, Father. May they see you. May they see your glory. And, Father, if being salty, Father, requires us to have hard conversations Lord God, may it happen. Father, as you speak, we know that those words that come out of our mouth will be yours. Holy Spirit, I pray that you guide our conversations. You guide our hearts. Father, if there is a moment, whether it's gossip, whether it's whatever else is in the workplace or at home, may we walk away. May we shed light, Father. May we not contribute to the things of this world. But Father, may we work to tear them down in your name. By the power of your spirit, may we be set apart. 
May we proclaim your name, Father, greater and louder than anything else in our lives. Father, if we need to put you first here this morning, Lord God, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit works in and amongst, amongst us, Lord God, each and every one of us. Help us to push things aside, Father, that are not relevant, that may not be important. But Father, may we go to your word. Father, may we trust you in prayer. Father, may our faith grow and build, Lord God, so that your kingdom come here on earth. Father, be with us. We know the workers of you with a massive harvest. But Lord God, I pray this morning that this church, as a people, Lord God, we cry out your name. We, we step into the darkness because we know we have the light within us. We do the hard things. We get our hands dirty. We be willing, Lord God, to put in the work, Father, to bring glory to your name so that people who don't know you walk through those doors and they see life. They engage in life. They, they engage in you, Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the life that we live. We thank you that you're with us and you step with us each and every day. Praise you, God. Amen.